it's your kali what's up hey y'all what's up you're about to listen to facts stories interviews gossip live music booty bump and beats and much more fascinating things that will be so stunning there's a possibility that your mind will blow This show will start five, four, three, two, one, one, one. Due to the coronavirus, the following show is being produced and broadcast by the Yolokali youth from their homes. So sit back, relax at home, and enjoy the show. You're listening to What's Up on WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, broadcasting from the comfort of our homes. My name is Cynthia. I'm Emmanuel. I'm Jennifer. I'm Miles. August. And I'm Adrian. And this is Modern Day Tribalism. What is tribalism, you ask? Tribalism, by definition, is a state of being organized into tribes. But to us, tribalism is the act of separating people into groups, positive or negative. Tribes can bring us together, give us a sense of belonging and security. They can also divide us, make us think differently of outsiders, leading to hate or fear. We see examples of tribalism in everything. We see it in high school when we separate ourselves into cliques. We see it within immigration when we have assimilation to new cultures. We even see it in gaming, where the exclusion of women is prevalent in online interactions. The main problem with all these aspects of tribalism seems to be the lack of empathy for anyone outside their tribe. There is no easy remedy for this issue, as history shows, but it doesn't mean there's no remedy. We invite change, a change in self-awareness, thoughts, and interactions within our communities and ourselves. Don't get it twisted. This problem runs deep, and the solution isn't as simple as sitting down and thinking real hard. To get to a real solution, we gotta take steps. Self-reflection and mindful action is the basis of coming to any sort of meaningful resolution. With that, we ask you, what are you going to do to create change within yourself? Hey y'all, OMG, it's me, Emmanuel. It's Cynthia. And Jennifer. And OMG, please, no paparazzi, y'all. I know we're famous. So we, the three of us, made a little audio piece, a story, if you will, inspired by the infamous story, Mean Girls, or as we like to say, Las Chicas Malas. We came up with this audio piece to explain repercussions of tribalism, to better understand what it means and apply it to the second setting, or in this case, Yolokali. We hope you enjoy this audio piece and for people of Yolokali, listen closely to some special features inspired by you. And overall, we hope you enjoy it. This is the story of the hierarchy of Yolokali and how things got real ugly real fast. Hi, I'm Cassandra. I just moved here from Oaxaca. 
Is this where I sign up for the art classes? Hi, I'm la directora Valentina. Ten mi corazón. Inscríbete aquí. Gracias. Oh. Who are they? Ay, las muy, muy de yo locali. Ya me tienen harta. Hi, somos las plásticas. I'm Guadalupe Rodríguez de La Paz. And everybody knows I got the best weave up in this club. Hola, yo soy Carmen de la Gritona. And I'm la más nalgona de todo Yolo Cali. And if anybody disagrees, I'll fight you. And I run the plásticas. Virginia Maria Jorge de la Cruz Guardia. Yo soy la más perra de Yolo Cali. And we're the mean girls. Girl, we ser las chicas malas. You had one job. Follow the script, babosa. Did you forget who runs this group? Me. I didn't agree to that. <clears throat> and we're the chicas malas. We run the halls of your locali, the baddest of the baddest. Our clothes. Top tier. Our attitudes. Bad AF. Trends. We set them. We're the top of the social pyramid, period. Hola. I'm Cassandra. Ugh. Ew. Yuck. I just moved here from Oaxaca. Aw, you're kind of cute. Here, come with us. At this moment, Cassandra Martinez Juarez, the new girl on the block, straight out of Oaxaca, was adopted into Las Plásticas. Regina broke down the social structure of Yolocali to her, explaining all the different cliques, tribes, if you will. There's the quote-unquote journalist of Yolocali. They swear everything is a story that needs to be written about, aired on radio, shoving their fancy mics in everybody's face, looking for a vox pop. And the worst part, they think TMZ is always watching their every move, when really, nobody even likes them. If you look over there, those are the street art kids. They spray paint all day and hope to be the next Banksy, I think. Honestly, I have no idea what I'm supposed to say. Uh, we're supposed to be talking trash. Anyways, and those are the wannabe photographers. Not gonna lie, they do dress kind of fetch. But they can take a pic of a crunchy leaf and still call it art. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, there are very obvious social classes amongst the youth here at Yolokali. Some more inviting than others. Some artsy-fartsy. Some cool, some emo, all weird. However, the chicas malas divided everyone, never allowing unity amongst the students. The rules as a plastica, you can never associate with any other group. You can only wear trenzas once a week and never have too many Birkin bags. Also, we only wear crop top guayaberas on Wednesdays. Um, hello? Hey girl, it's Regina. What's up? Out of curiosity, what do you think of Carmen? Um, she's cool? No, but tell me the real tea girl, like, her nalgas, is it really that big? Um, yeah, I guess they're a little flat. Mis nalgas son what? ¿Qué dijiste, Oaxaca? I got these cheeks down in Cancun! Oh, shoot. She just called you desnalgada. As if they were non-existent. What the hell? What's going on? Rule number five. Never get caught lacking in a three-way call. Own up to that. Now, we wanted to share something with you. Yeah, we wanted to share something with you. So, we have a private Snapchat with just the three of us. We do? Am I in it? 
Yes, this is the fifth time we're telling you you're in it, Boba. We take very unfiltered pics of people and we write the most trash about them and post it on our Quema the Vivo story. And we're inviting you into it. But what do I do? Just post about someone you hate. Um, no. I don't hate anyone. There has to be somebody that you don't like for some reason. Hmm, I really think we are all unique in our own way. Yeah, parale. Just post. Wait, are you writing about Valentina La Directora? I, I hate Valentina. She got my check since I missed 12 days of class and I couldn't get the new exclusive Himalayan snakeskin Birkin. She's probably cashing the other half for herself to get a trip away from all these squinkles. Las Chicas Malas finally got to her, and Cassandra was infected with their toxic plastic. Cassandra posted on Quemate Vivo, but accidentally added all of YOLO to the private story, ending in everybody taking screenshots of the horrendous things Las Plásticas gossiped about. Everyone began to talk about each other, and it became pure chaos. The Quemate Vivo private story was the fuel to the fire of hatred the different cliques had towards each other, and even the staff. Girl, who knew Alfredo was stealing the coffee pots from the office? It brought nothing but negativity to the halls, resulting in Directora Valentina not paying everybody. Not sure if my bank app is not working or we didn't get paid? My check never arrived. Let me find out they're playing with my money. No guys, the app is working. I think all our checks got cut. Oof, guys, I really think we made a horrible mistake. Shut up. I can't live without my weekly hair appointments. These root cover-ups don't pay themselves. But what if she's right? What if we really are mean girls? Mm, no. No, yes, we are. We've been nothing but rude, mean, horrid, nasty bullies. And look what it got us. Broke! I think we should delete our chat and apologize to everyone. Being mean and non-inclusive get us nowhere. And so, Las Chicas Malas talked all night, breaking down the social stereotypes they built and the insecurities they had themselves, reminiscing on the past when they used to be sweet little innocent children. Maybe, maybe the poor fooligans do have a soul. I mean, mine's stone in Sarasky, but that's besides the point. We are more than the people we hang out with or the hobbies that we like. We shouldn't be divided as students at Yolokali, but instead celebrate our differences. They took it upon themselves to post an apology, delete the private story, and surprisingly enough, donate all their Burberry, Louis, and Gucci-ass charity to apologize for all their mistreatment. But they kept all the Chanel and Hermes. Girl, that's a whole annual paycheck. Donate it. Keep it. Donate. Keep. Uh, here. Go. <laughs> here, just take my limited edition Louis Vuitton chrome duffel bag. Don't come with it, or I'll take it back. Ah, uh, that was my great-grandmother's cousin's baby daddy's vintage Burberry scarf! Wait, you don't even go here! For the most part, everybody forgave each other and learned that talking smack gets you nowhere and broke and that we're more than just the people we hang out with. 
or how we look on the outside. Everyone laughed in joy, decked out in their new designer heels, and Yolo Kali was finally united once and for all. That is until the plastics got hit by a CTA bus and were buried with their Himalayan Birkins. But Cassandra stayed at Yolokali, later in life becoming the director, preaching the story of the Chicas Malas to future generations. Period. And we're back. You just heard our audio piece about Las Plásticas and their reign at Yolokali. And we just really wanted to create, you know, something really playful and centered around YOLO. But in the end, you know, making sure that we mentioned to celebrate everyone's art and everyone's differences, not just, you know, dividing ourselves. Like you mentioned, this was like really playful. What do you guys think? Like the experiences? I know it took us a while to put it all together, but how do you feel hearing it all together now? Well, I just think it sounded so amazing. You know, it came out so much more juicier than I could have ever imagined and the acting was just top tier you know it was just so good Jenny what did you think I like having it all together now because I feel like we added like our own little like Mexican twist to it you know you know we have like a good mixture of like Spanglish in there and like I always like doing that in like these fun audio pieces yeah it's nice hearing all the sparkles now you know the music choices the effects and how like you said it has a little Mexican Spanglish twist to it. So that was really fun. <laughs> you know, most of us are or have been in high school. And this is a question for everybody. In your opinion, would you say that you are or were part of a clique? And if so, do you want to explain what clique that is? Okay. Um, so I went to Little Village High School and I was kind of like Katie. I was kind of like, um, I was the only one from my school coming into there so I didn't know anyone at first um and I feel like the cliques weren't organized like by hobby or anything it was mostly organized by what school you came from before you know what I mean you had the Eli Whitney clique you had the Corkery clique you had you know so it was it was kind of interesting meeting all these people who already knew each other and who already had like established friend groups and to come in I mean, it's like a jungle, you know, you're like, oh, my goodness, there's the elephants, there's the hyenas, you know what I mean? So I don't know. It was cool. And then by senior year, we all knew each other. It was a small class. So we all knew each other. And I guess it is it's even crazier because like the Little Village High School is separated into four different schools, too. So that's like a click within a click within a click. You know what I mean? So I feel like by the end, like senior year, it was mostly like uh like what school you were from but even then it didn't really matter because you you'd have friends from other schools you know i don't think i could uh be part of like one clique you know like we were we were all in my eyes we were all friends you know what about your schools what was different over there well i also went to a little village i went to world language i'm being honest i don't think i ever like was in a clique you know i felt like i was just there but I did see cliques all around me, though. Like, you have this big group of, like, kids at a table. It's, like, eight people because they all get along. 
supposedly, you know, you got um, like these little nerdy kids and like on the side, you have the, um, well, I, I used to have lunch with infinity and I, and I just used to see like this couple, like eat each other, you know, like just they're making it out like, you know, that <laughs> I don't know if that counts as a quick. Yes, but... girl, the makeout table. We all know <laughs> yes, it. The makeout table. Girl, we and... know the, the freshie with the seniors. Uh-huh. <laughs> the table that was filled with couples. And yeah, I don't think I was ever in a clique. I was just at my table with friends and, you know, I, I wasn't like quiet. I wasn't like a loud one, you know. So what about you? I went to a really small uh, high school. And there's only around 500 students in the whole school. And even still, there were cliques. But for me, I never really fit in to a specific clique enough for me to permanently be a part of them. So I kind of just move around. Like, I just make friends with the various people in different cliques. It's a very different experience when you go from one group to another. Because I didn't really attach to any of them, I'd freely move around and you'd hear the different types of people that were in each clique. You can kind of hear the drama going back and forth between groups. You can see who's who thinks that they're on top, more or less, uh, even for a more community-based school like that. Yeah, uh, I think I was in sort of like the same situation as most of, uh, most of us were. I didn't really belong to a clique or anything like that. But of course, like in my school, you could see it. Like I, w- I went to Hancock and a lot of people, there were like, you know, like truck guys, like car kids. I don't know. That's that's the one I saw the most. And then there was, of course, like, you know, like people who like math, weirdly enough, um, like anime, all that kind of stuff like that. And I was cool with like people from like all the groups, um, but I never really belonged to any just specific group. Oh my god, it sounds like none of us were, like, really devoted to some sort of clique. Like, I feel like usually that even happens when you're kind of, when you kind of like school <laughs> or or strongly don't like it. But, like, if you're just there to do it, then, like, you don't... If I were to associate with a specific clique, it'd be the D&D group. I'm just going to say that now. Kind of like the nerdy kind of kids. But really, it's not that nerdy at all, because there's just a bunch... Me and my friends, we just play video games and we happen to like D&D, so. There's a whole clique of Dungeons and Dragons at your school? Not, more or less, the all the D&D kids kind of like group together, more. You guys so, are anime club? That's good. Y'all could, y'all could spot each other from the other side of the room. Well, because it's very easy to tell if someone's in, like actually into Dungeons and Dragons because it's such a in-depth game to where you can have one conversation and you can immediately know. Because there's just so much to it to where if someone knows enough, it's very easy to tell. And more or less people who play kind of, for the most part, get very passionate about it. It is a very effective escape for us. I don't know. It's just really fun. Right. I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't able to spot the barbs in my school. But um, I don't know. Just hearing that we kind of all don't belong to any cliques, it's kind of just like maybe... Maybe we didn't peak in high school. There's more for us. We're better exactly. than Exactly. We didn't peak in high school. We're just like, are we better than everyone else? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the TikTok? The, am I better? Yeah, exactly. So, Am I, am I better than everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just really giving that. Because I, I know that I did have um, 
several friends like freshman sophomore year from like a variety of cliques honestly and then once it got down to like junior and senior year I had like people like I was loyal with and like I had like a good three or four friends that were each from their own clique as well but it's like at that point I spotted like the fake people from the real people and like I really didn't try to like mess with anybody else because it just like I wasn't there to do that I wasn't I wasn't because the, the popular kids at my school, even them, like they were so boring. Like, like, what is it that's like making you this like, I don't know. And even I feel like y'all being from like city school and I'm from like uh, out in the suburb school, it felt so just like a cliche, like teenage white movie, like really just like the like the environment, the like social structure. I couldn't believe like how much this it felt like a movie, like it felt so fake and the things that like people would get bullied for and stuff. And I was just like, this is too much. Like, I will just say movies have cliches for a reason. Really? I, I feel like I'm not saying the school is like everyone got along and everything, but it's, I don't know. I, I felt like going to infinity there. It was like the, the drama was not that was nothing. You know what I mean? There was no like, there was, I'm sure there was feuds and everything, you know what I mean? But like after school, you would just be like, what's up? You want to go skate? You want to go, you know what I mean? You know, August, they didn't have fights, but they did have a lot of kissing in the hallway. That's so. true. That was the, <laughs> the violence we've ever had there. No. All the sexual <laughs> okay. violence, violence <laughs> against all the STDs roaming the halls. We <laughs> had metal detectors to get into the school, you know? Like, yeah, there was, there was bigger things, you know, that were needing addressing. <laughs> than high school gossip um you know i think with emmanuel mentioning like seeing what other people were bullied for how do you guys feel that you know seeing those clicks and seeing who was in them how do you feel that some people were excluded from specific clicks it's really dumb at times why some people are excluded because for me i can just easily kind of adjust myself to fit with a specific group in a sense so I can get along with almost everyone as long as I don't mind getting along with them. So it was really easy for me to get into these groups and just like chill there. But when I see other people kind of like clash, it doesn't really make sense in the overall scheme of things because they're just fighting for no reason most of the time. And it's very unproductive, just like as a society, when I saw that, because they would get at each other's throats for the dumbest reasons and i'd always have to be like a mediator almost because i'd be i'd have friends in both groups you know i don't like them fighting all the time so it was very it was very interesting to see what little people had to do in order to cause so much distrust or disdain towards another group especially in high school we're all kids that we still are like still very ready to fight to to the exclusion thing Something that I that I specifically remember is someone is like people being ostracized for uh, maybe some transgression they, that they've committed or like some sort of taboo that they committed that that like other people saw that or like, you know, and then they they're like, oh, I don't want to associate with this person. For example, there was a girl at my school who on her Snapchat, she had like posted a video of her like being rough with her dog, like you know, in, in some sort of abusive way, you know, and a lot of a lot of other girls saw that and they called her out on you, you know what I mean? And they 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 ostracized her for it, you know what I mean? And I'm conflicted because 
well i didn't want to see her her being ostracized you know what i mean or like kicked out of any or like ruin you know like being a being alone at the same time like i do find that to be like a like a serious transgression you know like it's like i don't want to hang out with you myself you know what i mean if you if you treat your animal like that so it's kind of conflicting you know what i mean like i i care for you as a person and i don't want to see you um like being alone because really like that could lead to to more harmful things for for you or even for other people you know what i mean like that's how that's part of the reason school shootings like happen you know like that's a piece of the puzzle there not not to say that she was you know at risk for that you know you know go from beating your dog to shooting up a school i don't know it's connected <laughs> way, yeah like, that's a leap <laughs> It's zero to hundred, there, buddy. It all connects in some way. I think we missed the chapter. Yeah, <laughs> I just went from page one, like the glossary, to like mm-hmm. to <laughs> the I mean, final it, chapter. How does it end? I think it does. I'm not saying everything's connected, but like it's connecting in the way that you're saying how you know you care for someone as a person, but their actions sometimes make you a little iffy. You know, I want to tie that kind of into college. Want to ask Adrian? Not sure if he's seen this. I don't know how Greek life is at your school, Adrian. But you know, a lot of times what we see in middle school or high school are still very—I don't know if prevalent, but like there in college, I think Greek life is a—they're literally like tribes, like literally. Um, you're divided into whatever fraternity or sorority you're a part of, and then like they'll be like, "Oh, she's a this," so then she must be like this. You know, same thing with fraternities. Some are like we have a music fraternity. We have one that's mainly filled with the soccer students. So even then, like it's very there and it's very present. And, you know, you think you can escape it in college, but yet they show you a different type of tribalism. Yeah, I think I can see what you mean. Um, I feel like with sororities, like the fraternities, it's not as obvious. Honestly, I haven't even noticed any of the sorority or fraternities like on campus at all just because they're kind of small to be honest i mean my school is only like a couple thousand students uh so there's not that many people but i feel like in any case it would probably have to be like the sports teams uh, like you'll see like the football people and like it's really noticeable because a lot of them are really loud like a lot of them are really cool people but they don't know how to control their volume then of course there's like the soccer people then there's like you know like the clubs like the leaders like student government you'll notice them off somewhere else they tend to like hang out together and like a lot of them are like really cool people like i've met them before um i've talked to a couple of them but you know you can still notice that they tend to like stick to their groups and kind of separate from i guess like the rest of the crowd so yeah i mean i can i can see what you mean by it's you know like i thought it would have been gone right at this point like we're all adults i mean it's still there it's present not really hidden either and i mean sort of wrapping up this conversation i think that like just the whole idea of tribalism and how that plays out within within the school setting is just like this microcosm of like our reality as a society kind of the the stepping stones to like tribalism in in modern day within our our society like working space and how we interact with one another you know, every single day, whether we like admit it or not, like mentally we are 
discriminating against one another or like have these like aggressional thoughts that like really just divide and don't don't allow us to just see each other as like beings and that's just like i think the building and the foundation for tribalism in itself well time to wrap up this conversation you are listening to wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio broadcasting from the comfort of our homes and we'll be back after these promos Chicago, yo, locali. And we're back. You are listening to our modern tribalism show. And let's continue with our conversation here. Going to our next topic, while gaming used to be for a general audience in the arcade era, the harsh division of the 1970s to 1990s marketing created a closed view of video games being a boy hobby. But as game designers move to a diverse audience, there still exists a toxic image of games being a male-exclusive hobby within the existing community. Do me a favor, leave this lobby. Shouldn't even be on here. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Why are you still here? Shut there, up. Can you do me a favor and uh, give me a poppy bagel? What the extra cream, please? Him? Yes. He's not like us. Is that a girl? A girl gamer? Oh my! Oh my God! That girl's playing this game. Sonicus Maximus is talking to you. You shouldn't be playing this game. This game is girl is the boy game. Oh, you're a girl game. All right. Can I add one? you? Whoa! Take off that voice please? changer. Mel, can you add me, please? Yo, let me get your MySpace. Can I get you a MySpace, guys? I know you still use MySpace. Please let me have your Snapchat. Gorilla, can I have your Snapchat? Wait, what's your real name? Is it Amanda? What's your real name? Can we have your Snapchat? Yeah, it's probably a Haley. Hey, yo, Haley. Haley. Can I have your Snapchat? Can I have your Snapchat? Can I have your Snapchat? Let me have your Snapchat. Yeah, your de- name is definitely Haley. Can I have your Snapchat? Please. Give me your Snapchat. Gorilla. Gorilla, can I have your Snapchat? Haley. Can I have your Snapchat, please? Hey, Haley, why aren't you back in the kitchen? Kitchen's downstairs. Hey, Haley, can I get your Snapchat? Sexism has been a problem in online gaming for a very long time. But why is the behavior so normalized? While it can't be said for every game, many multiplayer games have a toxic vocal minority, especially when a woman enters a voice chat. We want to know what it's like for those women and what can be done to help lessen the toxicity. So we asked a couple of women who play video games for their experiences and their thoughts. What games do you play? When I was younger, I started out playing games like Minecraft, Roblox, and now I play games like League of Legends and Rainbow Six occasionally. Uh, currently, I play League of Legends with a server of friends that I've made, but I used to also play Overwatch and a few other games with just randos and such. Little bit of leak then, mostly just Overwatch though.
When it comes to gaming online, how often do you experience like harassment or people, you know, being misogynistic or sexist to you? Well, it definitely depends on what game I'm playing, but most of the time in most games, it happens pretty frequently. I'd say about like once or maybe twice a month, but I don't know. It's all just kind of blurred together for me because it just kind of just happens. So, not too often, but often enough to where it's noticeable here and there. Yes, very much. Mm, pretty much every time I'd play, especially on Overwatch, since it has voice chat and it's more immediately obvious, like, there's a grill in the game, kind of a deal. Like, it would range from just, like, little microaggression type stuff, like, Oh my god, there's a girl in here, hi! And it's just like, just, I'm just playing a game, fellows. It's not anything unusual. Like, roughly 50% of the population. Like, it's, it's statistically pretty likely you're gonna run into a girl playing game. It ranges from stuff like that to just straight up like, Ugh, girl, you're a girl, you shouldn't be playing at all, kind of thing. Or even just like, please, let me see your hands. It's, which is just odd, <laughs> to say the least. Have people's comments deterred you from playing like a new game or made you think about stopping one that you already play? Oh, absolutely. Uh, usually after weird experiences that I'd have on Overwatch voice chat, I'd just be like, mm. at the end of the game, I'd just be like, that's enough Overwatch for today. Mm -hmm. And I'd be a little hesitant to boot it up again next time after like especially egregious ones. Well, in one of the games that I played, Rainbow Six Siege, when I was in that game, I remember the voice chat mechanic when I started playing ranked. I would get all sorts of comments in there and then I just stayed away from ranked or any like ranked games. Or stayed away from the ranked category because I was afraid of the voice chat of how people would treat me. And just affect my gameplay or theirs or just how the game would go. So if you're comfortable, can you share a very toxic moment that has stuck with you? If I remember correctly, it was in a Rainbow Six Siege ranked game. And there's this group of men in the lobby, and we we're, and we were just playing, you know, I haven't said anything, and then they started talking in the chat, like, trying to get me to talk, do shout-out, whatever. And I was like, okay, maybe they're chill, so I started doing that. And then they would make all sorts of these comments, like, trying to, like, for example, get my Snapchat info, or describe where I was, where I lived, stuff like that, just very, and other inappropriate comments, like, you know, like, breast size, stuff like that. Very inappropriate things, and just comments that were overall uncomfortable. Nothing really stands out especially much, since generally it's the same recipe of harassment over and over again, so to speak. Um, but usually just stuff like when the whole lobby was just like, Oh my god, a girl, get out of here, stop playing, you're trash, etc. Like, literally the whole Overwatch lobby. <laughs> and I was doing the best on the team, I had all the golds! <laughs> and they were still like, you suck, you're doing a terrible job. And I'm just like, why do I have all the gold then? <laughs> Hello? That was, uh, more irritating than anything else, though, honestly. I was just like, you, you kids have no brain cells. What would you say is probably the most, com like, comforting gaming community that you've experienced? 
Like, is there a specific community or a video game that you've come across that has made you very comfortable, made you very welcome? One of the main games that I would say is probably one of the most wholesome that I've played in is Minecraft. Like, of course, there's always toxic people in a community, but I would say they have the least because most of the time it's just people just chilling Minecraft. It isn't competitive, at least in areas that I play in Minecraft. In general, I think the like video game group that's the most cozy and welcoming would honestly be like the Animal Crossing fandom. I'm not really too super into the game just because the the gameplay gets stale very quickly for me and I lose interest. But back when I played a lot, I made a lot of friends on Twitter who also played and we'd like visit each other's islands and whatnot. And it was just a very cozy time, so that stands out to me. Late last year, in roughly August, I hopped on League for the first time in forever, and someone I had on my friends list was like, hey, come join this server, we're in voice chat right now, it'll make comms a little easier. And I was just like, mm, sure, why not? And that was honestly a fantastic decision for me that I'm really glad I've made. The community there is very kind and understanding and very willing to teach which as a player that's pretty new to league since I didn't play for like five plus years <laughs> and uh, the game changed just about completely in that time frame it's been nice knowing that even if I make mistakes I'm not gonna get like uh, ripped a new one so to speak uh, what got you into gaming, and what keeps you gaming to this day? Oh, my brother. Almost definitely. He's been into games and such for as long as I can remember, and we've just about always had a console at home. So what started me out in gaming was that I believe it was my cousin. He was a little bit younger than me, but he was playing Minecraft, and we were just playing together on his Xbox, and that's what really got me into the game. I was enjoying it. I liked the, liked the idea of being creative and just doing whatever I want and just having fun on the internet and just not having to worry about like a physical thing like having to worry about like my physical body like you know strength yada yada soccer getting hurt you just play the game and then what keeps me gaming now is really just the friends that I made along with just the enjoyment of certain games just really just the experience and sometimes a competitive factor but that's very rare well uh just be nice to people. Just be nice. That's, yeah. It's a bit tangentially related, but I've been really into VTubing lately. Just the concept as a whole, and I've actually been like working on making my own avatar and stuff. I think that it's a great way for folks in general, but especially women to stream with, since there's a degree of anonymity provided through presenting yourself with an avatar while still maintaining the expressiveness that you get from having your face cam on. And through VTubing and stuff, you can either just be yourself but as an avatar or you can play a character separate from yourself to further distance yourself from your persona and help you feel a little bit more secure in your online presence. since. If all they know is your avatar and the lore of your avatar, they can't uh, show up at your house quite so easily. <laughs> I think it's a lot safer for women especially. 
to be able to have that little bit of safeguard against weirdos. And I also feel like it can take some of the judgment off of women. Like, since female streamers are generally expected to like be all done up, have their hair nice, makeup on, etc., and are held in general to a different standard than men who stream with their face cams on. And having an avatar means that they can just show up however they like, whether that's doing themselves up on their own time or just being in sweatpants and a little top knot. And it doesn't really matter what they look like, it's more about their personality and how they approach the games in their community. And I think that's just great. For many, gaming is a social activity. It's a convenient way for people to spend time with loved ones and relax from the comfort of their homes. Some, however, may not have the opportunity to play with friends, be it work schedules, school, or general living. To play online for them means to play with strangers, and these encounters, however menial they may seem, can affect people in many different ways. The inherent anonymity of online connections means no one is beholden to anybody. There is no obligation to be honest or dishonest. There is no consequence for what they say or how they act because after the game ends, these people will likely never interact with each other again. In reality, the consequence of spewing sexist rhetoric through voice chat is that it diminishes the enjoyment of the game for others and may even ruin someone's experiences with gaming entirely. Some will say it's just a game, and they'd be correct. But what is it like to experience harassment through this medium? What is it like to come home after a hard day of work or school, to sit down, to unwind, and play games, only to be greeted with harassment and exclusivity from an online community? What is it like to experience this on the regular? Addressing the perpetrators is a moot point, as they would simply not care or listen for these concerns. But addressing the online gaming community as a whole is important. Not all people who play video games are bad, but the loud minority of sexist, creepy, and misogynistic people making getting into gaming hard for women. But many groups are paving the way, such as VTubers, for women to comfortably play games in a public setting. With time, women will be commonplace in the competitive gaming scene throughout all genres, and the toxic relation will be phased out. Gaming is an amazing pastime where you can experience other worlds and can connect you with amazing people from around the world. And with awareness in the community, we can make gaming welcome to everyone. Okay, that was our audio piece. We hope you liked it. Uh, special thanks to our interviewees for helping us out with that. I wanted to open up a discussion about online interaction in general. And the first question I have for y'all was, uh, why do you think people gatekeep communities? And to reiterate the point from the audio piece, gatekeeping is when in a group, there are people who, who want to stop others from enjoying or participating in the group in the most general sense. You see it a lot online in, in different, maybe like fandoms or, or, you know, specifically in gaming communities. That's a lot. That's a big problem. But it doesn't just stay in gaming. You could see it everywhere. What's uh, what's everyone's take on that? Well, 
Moving into the topic of Twitter, which can have an own show of itself. Just a quick example, you know, I'm in the Barb's Twitter and a lot of the time we block the the Bard gang. And it's just because, you know, we we don't mix well. Uh, There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of trash talking to the point where it's like, let me not not say it. You know, the Barb's can be petty. A lot of the time, if like a Bardy gang member says something real just like slightly shady, like naked this or naked that. Then the barbs will like find their like their address, their Instagram, their their face, their mama's Facebook, and they just like attack everywhere. Like they can have three followers, but all of a sudden they have like fifty comments, and it's like your trash, your mama trash, your granny trash. So it's just like they could be petty on there, <laughs> and that's real. I think that's everywhere though. Like I'm not like on that side or anything that you were talking about but you know i think we even see it on tiktok like someone will post a video and then the comments are like oh not her gatekeeping everything she just talked about so like i think that's one thing that's very out there right now because i think right now the one app that's blowing up is tiktok i think one thing that i've noticed and i think it's the funniest thing ever is like people gatekeeping songs though or like gatekeeping an artist this happens a lot with like frank ocean I don't know if you guys like listen to him, but like I've seen it like I've seen like very old fans gatekeep Frank Ocean. And it's like, oh, but I bet you know nothing about this album. You know nothing about this mixtape. You're only listening to Blonde. And it's like the same thing with like gaming or something like that. You know, like you've never played this game, but you're playing this one now. Damn, looking at me with Nikki. <laughs> I I see that a lot too. Like I feel like it's it happens a lot to to women and uh, and girls. Like if they wear like a band T shirt, say they come out with a Nirvana shirt, and then somebody checks them on you know on the street, like yo, name every song off of Nevermind, you know, or so you know what I mean. Put that's their face. so terrible. I own, I got a shirt that was like five dollars, and it's like the cutest ACDC crop top. I kid y'all not. I went to Walmart back like in cedar rapids and this old man started singing at me and i was like do y'all see this and my roommates were just laughing at me and he was like you don't even know what i'm singing right and i was like i just want to get my groceries like what are you doing but yeah that's terrible i would say music is like the strangest genre to gatekeep of all things like music i understand holds a lot of significance for people but it's music shouldn't everyone be able to enjoy like especially if it's just general music it's like it's just mainstream stuff or even still it's like a big band but it's so dumb to have people like test you to see if you're quote-unquote a true fan of the group it's just really dumb i'm so sorry then maybe i'm toxic but i would do that if you wore nikki merch is it is it because you're trying to like find uh, like a com- commonalities with the person or you just uh, wanted to like, more like, like spot the out the moles yeah the the like Your you know guy. because the thing is like it, it there's a lot of like trauma there because there's a lot of people that hated nikki during her queen era and there was a whole nikki hate train but now nikki's like the biggest trend and you see her everywhere but it's like y'all were like just hating on her like a few years ago so it's like us barbs we've gone through it and now is like the time where it's like we don't take no no crap from nobody we just got to be straight up proud all right uh but have you guys ever seen like people who gatekeep food like restaurants like they'll get food from somewhere and if you ask them where'd you get it they'll just like they won't they won't tell you 
Okay, that I understand because let's say like it's like a low key place and like the prices are like pretty decent for what you're getting, you know? And then all these people start showing up and you know, they start raising them prices on the food. Oh, yes. Or it just starts to get all ghetto because everybody's coming, every you know, not everybody's like clean or whatever, and they just they make they they trash something that's nice into like a mess. You I know, mean, so that, I like, mean low key, I'll get behind that. I'll get behind I mean, gatekeeping gay, gay, gay some places, but I mean I, I get it. But <laughs> it's like if the food is looking good, like I'm gonna want to go get some. And if you're not telling me, I mean, look, yeah, I'm gonna be kind of sad. Again, I see that on TikTok. They'll be like, "Oh, this place in Chicago," and then everyone's like, "Okay, but where that though?" But I mean, I guess Jenny's like everybody coming from everywhere and gonna mess up this place. I mean, tacos are like four dollars a taco. Like, who needs that? They really want it happen firsthand. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> if they really want to eat it, they'll put in the effort to find it themselves. You think? No, that reminds me. These young, like white teens that come into black and brown communities to go thrift shopping and like buy all the like good stuff and take it back for themselves and like leave the community with nothing good when this is a lot of what they, they like can only have y'all look puzzled y'all have never heard of this no it's a real thing see my listeners that thrift and you know vintage shop y'all know what i'm talking about that happens all the time and it's such a problem yeah and then the thing is is that like if they're not keeping it for themselves they go on depop or some other selling platform and then upcharge it for more than what it really is especially at a thrift store like they're getting like this cute brown vintage gap shirt and then they're like upselling it for like a hundred dollars on depot i'm like girl this is um this is getting very much um broke <laughs> you know but i i know what you're saying and it bothers me too I mean, it's one of the many things that make my blood boil if i could move the topic onto like a more general on a more general note what do you think of uh, you ever heard like Twitter fingers, you know what I mean? Or like people behaving differently online versus off, you know what I mean? Like the anonymity of the online gives them like a certain confidence boost or something. That's like a, or like, a, like I've heard the term net banging for like gangbangers who, who only gangbang through, through the web or something, which I, which I think of that. Wait, like having like a whole different persona from like in real life. Yeah, that or like, I guess they they just they act differently. They would say some stuff that they don't that they wouldn't say in real life if they weren't. Oh, so you were so like right now when you were referring to like gangs and stuff, like you mean people who act like hard online, <laughs> yeah, like and then like, you come, see them in person and me, then bro, come find me and then and yeah. then they're like this little like <laughs> and then they find them and they're like oh yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I'm not here. They're like no nah, man, no, nah, I was playing. Yeah, basically that, but like also, you know, or like they they're they're more willing to to speak their their opinions out. You know what I mean? However, however lukewarm their takes might be, you know, like to have that. Like I tell my friends all the time, well, my roommates, like I'm your friend and I'm not a yes friend and I'm going to tell you what I think. I think that goes like this. I saw it a lot in high school, like girls would say things online, but then you'd go up to them at school and they'd be like, oh, I would never say that. And it's like, you literally just said that. Like, mm, no, I don't know. I think it's just like they say, the screen provides a place, 
like to hide behind. Yeah, and I think honestly, like that kind of like anonymity, like being able to feeling like you can say whatever you want, I think happens a lot in gaming. I had it happen yesterday to me. Like I was playing with like, I don't know, was like two little kids. They were saying like some of the worst stuff. Good thing I had my mic off. Like they couldn't hear anything, but I could hear them. I don't know. It was it was weird. Wait, I have a question though, because like I know what you're talking about. You know, I grew up with brothers who were always like playing games. Sometimes I joined in, so I know everything you're talking about of like the crazy things and like ignorant, hurtful things they say. Do you think they learn it from like playing on here or like who teaching them all those things? Is what I'm wondering. That thing has sort of been like part of gaming for like a good while now. No matter how bad it is, like I feel like it's it become kind of commonplace. And I feel like with like new people coming into community, it's kind of sort of moving away from that in certain aspects, just to become more, I guess, comforting or more accepting towards other groups. You know, of course, there's always those like toxic players who like try and keep people out. But I feel like a lot of the times when it's like little kids, they feel like it's funny to be that way. Or they're just that annoying in general, one or the other. Yeah, I will say the internet also gives them access to things they wouldn't normally, you know, have access to. So when they hear certain words, especially when they're kids and they haven't, like, figured out what the words mean, more or less. Well, they know. Otherwise, they wouldn't be saying them. Come on now. They know, but they don't know the, like, (laughs) they don't know the effects of it. They don't understand Mm -hmm. that this is not something that they should be saying, more or less. And I would say a lot of parents that I've seen are starting to become less strict about it because I've heard parents in the background of a lot of hot mics online and I've even met parents who like actively and openly swear in front of their children so there's a little bit of there's a lack of discipline in a lot of these kids online because while they can you know be an angel with their parents and all of their special events the second you put them behind a screen and there's no consequences for what they do they'll just go off and there's nothing stopping them. There's nothing to discipline them for saying or doing what they do. Yeah. They switch up real fast. The screen gives them so much confidence. (laughs) Like it's unbelievable. And I think that's just like real prevalent online, just everywhere, like digital tribes or like people putting themselves in their own groups. Like, cause there's people that maybe know a few people like in actuality, like in real life, but they have so many online friends. And I think that's something that's really popular right now. You know, like your Instagram popping, you have so many followers and like you just create these relationships with all of these people online and you guys become your own group, social group online that you've never met in your life or no personally. I, I really love that. I really love that people can find common interests um, with others around the world. I think that's a really like strong like tool that we have with the Internet. And I don't know if this is gatekeeping, but I think if you're below, say, 13 or so, or you know what I mean? Like, or you're a parent and your kid is using the Internet. Stop that. Like, you know, like I don't think that there should be internet, some moderation. Yeah, that. the Internet is not a place for for young children to be on. No, but you see, they don't care because like yeah. as long as like they get the, like their kids away from them, quiet and not yelling, not bothering them. They're like, I don't care what you do. You know, you know, saying that, but having an Insta at 10 years old. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, that generation of kids like I was raised on TV or TV raised me like our our generation would be like the Internet raised us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's sad. (laughs) That's depressing. The the thing about TV is, though, you can't you can't. It's a one way. It's a one way 
trip. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. you're consuming the media, but on on the internet, you could interact with it. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not it's not just like I could call you out your name back. How do you how you like that? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's where the trouble comes in. You know what I mean? Like when you could affect other people. So not not saying that being raised by TV is a is a good thing. You know what I mean? Like you need some supervision up in there. This past hour, we have heard about tribalism present in both schools and video games. From being a mean girl to gatekeeping certain things like video games and music, we have covered a variety of different perspectives. Remember, you're listening to What's Up on WLPN LP Chicago, 105.5 FM Lumpin' Radio, broadcasting from the comfort of our homes, and we'll be right back with Modern Day Tribalism. Eerie. and we are back hello you're listening to what's up on wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio broadcasting from the comfort of our homes my name is emmanuel i'm cynthia i'm jennifer i'm miles august and i'm adrian And this is our Modern Tribalism show. And now let's take a listen to an audio piece made by Nidia, one of the students of Your Story, Your Way, that couldn't be here today. One of the ways tribalism has been part of people's lives has been those who immigrated to the U.S. When immigrants come, many are introduced to a society that speaks a different language and are forced to assimilate to a different culture and atmosphere. In this piece, her mother will share her story and hardship, including feeling like she was an outsider. There were many ups and downs, but these experiences and accomplishments have brought her to where she is today. Immigration stories are something a lot of Latinos look up to and often become an inspiration to go to college and go into successful careers. However, sometimes not all immigrant stories are told. We hear stories about parents that come and are often put into work that involves the manufacturing jobs or other minimum wage jobs. However, what about the stories of those who've gone to college and the people who came here ended up going to college and made a career out of themselves? Today I'm going to talk to you about a new immigration story. Hello everyone, my name is Nidia Jurando and today I'm here with my mom. Hi Nidia, thank you for inviting me to your show. My name is Carla Quinto and I'm from Peru. I am an HR manager for a small company. They have two locations and I really love what I do. I have been in this profession for the past 10 and a half years. I have a master's degree in HR. I asked my mom what she thought about the stereotypical immigration norms, and this was her response. I don't agree with the comment, and the reason is because 
there is a lot of very hardworking people who don't live from the government who come to this country to reach the American dream and given that stereotype that everyone live for the government I, I don't agree I give her the chance to talk about her experiences because her story is mildly different and it shows how strong she is and that she still had to face certain situations as a first generation college student. As she worked from the ground up and seeing how she was able to successfully make a career out of herself, this is truly my inspiration. Uh, my story living here in the United States, well, I immigrated here when I was uh, my first year of high school. And it was kind of hard not knowing the language, being separated from my family, and just living with my dad and my stepmom. The first few years, it was very hard not knowing the culture. But after high school and learning the language, I decided to go to college. And being in college, my mindset changed, and I saw an opportunity to have a professional and make a decent money and finish school. After I graduated from college, even though it was a little bit hard, it took me two eyes the time of a regular kid who was raised and born here to complete an assignment. But I think it, it was not impossible to achieve a degree very thankful that I have a decent job where I can work. I don't overwork myself like a lot of Latinos do when they stuck with a minimum wage. Unfortunately, I have not met a lot of Latinos here who have actually finished school. They have to learn how to break the circle, uh, living or working with the parents actually working if they're working in a manufacturer company or retail store i had the opportunity to go to college even though i took student loans i was just looking for a bigger dream i can say for myself and i'm sure there's a lot of more uh, people like me but i haven't met that many now my mom is successful but this doesn't mean she doesn't have any hardships. She came to America when she was only 15 years old and didn't know the language at all. And mind you, she went to high school right from Peru. She had to learn from the ground up and this is what she had to say about it. The culture is, even though I'm from South America, every country have a different culture. Being here and having a different culture, it was hard to adjust the language, the diversity, that sometimes we say something and people sometimes take it the wrong way. So I think is we have to learn how to understand other cultures and not only from Latin American, but also for other countries. As a small percentage of immigrants assimilate to American culture, a new problem emerges, and that is being called out by other family members. Most family members say that you've changed your you're becoming a gringo, which usually means you're becoming white. But in this case, I think it's important to know that you can be proud of where you're from while also adapting to a new culture. It doesn't mean you've forgotten your culture completely. You don't forget about your Mexican approving culture, but you're also embracing your American culture as well. I adapt on the culture. I celebrate United States holidays, but at the same time, I do celebrate Peruvian holidays. I still make Peruvian food at my house, 
but at the same time, I love to go out and eat American food. So I actually now I'm enjoy both American and also being Peruvian. Living here in the United States, actually, I still have my Peruvian culture. But when I go to Peru, I feel like I'm not Peruvian enough. By living here in the United States, I'm not American enough. So it is a challenge to adjust to both countries. I'm able to speak the language. I'm able to get along with Latinos' friends. But no, because sometimes our level of education is different. And there's certain things that I would like to talk to, but they're not interested. So I feel that I am the outsider, trying to, when I ask if they have read some type of books or watch the news, that they're not interested because they're more focused on what's going on in Latin America. I think it's because I was able to adjust to the culture and now I'm able to take advantage. I was able to finish college. Even though I did it with a student loan, I have a job. It's eight to five, Monday to Friday. I'm able to travel, not only for vacation, but also travel for work. And my company pay for all the expense. So I can say like, I have accomplished a lot and I'm very proud of myself and I'm very uh, thankful for this opportunity to reach those personal goals as a professional. I just want to encourage kids, you can, if you have a dream, just follow your dreams and you can achieve. You just have to work hard for whatever dream you have. You are listening to What's Up Modern Tribalism on WLP and LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, broadcasting from the comfort of our homes, and we'll be right back. Hello, everybody. We are back. Don't forget that you're listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. And this is What's Up? Modern Day Tribalism. So to continue our final conversation, we had a few questions that we wrote down just on the side when producing this show, scripting out the different pieces that maybe didn't fit in specific spots, but needed answering. So let's answer those right now. I just want to have an open conversation with you all. And to start, I'm just going to start with a really basic question. What does it mean to be inclusive? I think for short, I'd say to be inclusive is to be welcoming, you know? Yeah, to be welcoming to different type of people. You know, not everyone is like you. And to those people, you need to be able to welcome them with open arms. Uh, I think it's also just about including people where they might want to be or including them if they want to learn. Like if you're including them in some kind of like cultural thing, then it might be a learning moment for them that might be good for them. I agree with you. That's a big part of um, inclusivity is not only just dropping someone into a culture or like a new thing. It's like guiding them through it. You know what I mean? Guiding them, teaching them the ropes and like showing them. I guess the rules that come with that community, you know what I mean? 
I think there's like an education process with being inclusive. How do you guys think that we can be open to dialogue and listening to other people's opinion? I know in school, we have a an organization named the Black Self-Educated Organization or BSEO. And, you know, this past year, I think they've been very great in opening dialogue with the staff at school. Specifically, we do attend a predominantly white institution. So a lot of the issues that we have seen arise in the past year have been very tough conversations. The students have been the ones to open those conversations and be open to the dialogue because most of like the students are the ones being affected by what was going on. So how do you guys think that we can be more open to that dialogue and, you know, hearing people versus listening to them? That the skill of of active listening, of like truly, truly understanding the not only what the person is saying, but like where they're coming from when they say it, what has like what has influenced their their worldview. That's sort of like a really important skill, I think, when it comes to opening up dialogue or, you know, furthering the conversation of anything. So that's something that like that's like a prerequisite to to meaningful conversation, because if you're if you're just, you know, if you're just letting them talk and you're waiting for them to stop talking so you could say your point, nothing's really getting done, you know, and if both sides are doing that, then what's the, even the point of of conversation, you know? It's it's really not a conversation. It's just two people talking at each other. So I guess like education and how to actively listen would be like key in in um, developing more more like solutions to to things, you know, or resolutions between other groups. You know what I mean? I feel like we've talked a lot about tribes and, you know, like with the cliques and how everyone we said most of us didn't really have a clique, but, you know, like, do you guys feel more comfortable with, like, people of your race or ethnicity? And does that tie into, like, at the end of the day, we're all kind of looking for our own tribe? I would go ahead and say yes, because, like I mentioned, at a predominantly white institution, being a student of color is very hard. I remember my freshman year roommate was another Latina. She was born in Cuernavaca, but we were like the only two brown roommates. So we had like a floor meeting once and everyone was saying their name and, you know, you have the generic names and then it was like Cynthia Salgado and then like Carlota Renadis Palacios, like, and everyone was kind of just like, uh, but you find comfort in people that look like you and sound like you and essentially you gravitate towards them. So they do become your tribe because you find your home away from home, you know, especially being away from home. I think at the end of the day, a way of survival is finding your tribe. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah, I understand what you mean. I do feel more comfortable and I prefer being around like people that are like me or just I think POC in general, you know, I feel like they understand this the best. I feel like we all kind of share like this collective of like, feeling like outsiders you know around white people because it's like like you said like you go to this like predominantly white institution and you hear like Cynthia Salgado compared to like I don't know like some other name you know that to them is like oh you know so I do feel a lot better around people who are like POC in general honestly there's a sense of comfortability when you're surrounded in a in a POC environment that sometimes I think when you are surrounded by like you would think outsiders just like different from us but like just surrounded in a community of like white people and I think just that that can give us a sense of uncomfortability 
And I think it's just really has to do with us being like city people, you know, in a city, you're surrounded by so much diversity in all aspects. But once you go into like other parts of the country, you don't see that as often. And it's like not something that they themselves are used to, you know, seeing many black and brown folk or people that dress weird, talk differently, believe in different things are more vocal. And yeah, I think that can definitely like put us into our own little cliques or tribes. Honestly, even city people, I feel like are their own tribe. Like you can tell who's a city person and who's not. And like, who likes being in the city and who doesn't not only that different cities have different city tribes you know the environment here is different from la new york miami they're all different chicago is interesting because we talked about this in a previous episode but like uh because the results of redlining has made our city like super segregated comparative to to other cities so i get i could i could understand why more black and brown people are more comfortable with being among other black and brown people or you know other people of color and we're 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 raised that way from like you know birth all our schools have uh predominantly people who look like us you know and it's not until we go out into the world like maybe after high school or during during or after high school where where we are really exposed to different races or different walks of life you know from like our own our own hoods you know so it's kind of it is like a comfort zone and it's like also like there's like a mutual understanding it feels like without being even spoken like say a mexican and uh and a black person from from like the south side could understand each other without even speaking or like have like a mutual understanding on like what it's like to live here you know uh is anyone part of like two two groups like say biracial or i can only speak for myself um like half um have mexican my mom's mexican and my dad's from the philippines but like it's it's like two they're kind of similar in the way that they were both conquered by spain and uh and just like the the culture the culture has like similarities there but like it's on the other side of the world you know what i mean and being born in america i can only say that like that i don't that i'm not uh as connected to like my filipino side as as i would be my mexican side you know but even then like i've never been to mexico or the philippines i feel disconnected in a way and i i do understand that like it's on me to like do my own research and and get connected that way <laughs> i wish it was like an an innate thing like i was already born into it you know what i mean like having that like besides the food i really i really can't tell you much of filipino history you know and i think that's like uh that's a, that's a sad thing for me but it's something i need to work on I will say as a uh, mixed race, uh, Hispanic and Native American, I I was born in a fairly Mexican zone, but from a very young age, I moved into kind of urban city, Colorado, actually, no, not urban, rural, in the suburbs. And I didn't really have enough time to really connect with either group as Hispanic and Native American. I was not born near a Native American tribe, nor was my family really connected to that aspect. So I never got to really experience their culture, and I didn't get to experience a Mexican culture either. So for me, at least, I lost the ability to identify myself as Mexican. In a sense, I just say Hispanic or Iberian. It's very hard to like have a Mexican family and when you yourself don't connect with them in that sense where you don't speak the i don't speak spanish 
never learned. No one ever taught me. And I just didn't, I just don't have really drive to learn it right now and never have. And that's a little hard for me because my whole family, uh, both my mom and my dad's side speak a lot of Spanish. And it's really hard to talk to them because a lot of them don't speak perfect English or even English at all. To explore that aspect of my family is fairly difficult. I can say I do connect more for a general audience in a sense, fairly neutral on things, but I kind of just associate myself with whatever group I'm in for the, for the time being. I've just kind of learned to be very adaptable. So I'm not mixed or anything. I come from like both Mexican parents, but I know a lot of um, Mexicans who are like, you know, were born here and stuff. They do feel kind of out of place sometimes being American and Mexican at the same time. I'm pretty sure you guys have all heard like, oh, too Mexican for the Americans, too um, American for the Mexicans. And that's kind of how I feel a lot of the time. Yeah, I think that's a struggle. Like, <clears throat> you know what you said, it goes back to the what you usually hear, like, ni de aquí, ni de allá. you don't belong really in either place. So you're kind of just stuck. And, you know, I think it's hard. I joke with my roommates, I always have an identity crisis. You know, when you're filling out forms, it's like, what's your race? It's like, my birth certificate says white because I was born here. But then it's like, what's your ethnicity? But now they're clumping race and ethnicity together. So that's even like a bigger identity crisis. But, you know, that's a whole crisis in itself of no, we're not like mixed, but because we were born here, but our parents are from elsewhere, you know, you're still kind of stuck in between the two. Yeah. Like, like when I've gone to Mexico before, like, even though I'm Mexican, I still feel out of place because there's stuff that happens like in Mexico or there's stuff that like my cousins or like my, the rest of my family will do that. I have no idea what it might be. Or that they start talking about something like, I don't, I don't know what that is. And they kind of give me like funky looks for not knowing what it is. Like, or just like slang terms in general. I, I can't be expected to know it if, you know, I haven't grown up around this, even though I am Mexican. It feels weird. Like, I, I love being in Mexico. I love being with my cousins and everything like that. But there are a lot of points where I do feel really out of place with that side of my family. So now let's move on to the most important part of our identity. YOLO. Arte. So for culture, something that, that really like uh, helped me develop as a person and find my own identity, like form part of my identity was my time at Yolo Cali. Salsa Yolo Cali. It's really, it was really a, a beautiful place where I was okay to be honest with myself and with others, that it was accepted and encouraged. And I hope I'm speaking truth to y'all too, you know what I mean? We've all experienced um, what it's like to come into to this place for the first time and to come into this space now. It, it really does feel like a giant family or its own like enclosed environment, you know what I mean? Separate from the world or, you know, in a good way, in a good way. It's not a, you know, like an echo chamber type thing uh, where we're all just spewing hate and everything. But <laughs> it's like, it's like a positive uh, echo chamber, you know? I don't know what what's what do you what do you all feel about YOLO? No, I I do love YOLO. I feel like YOLO is what kind of got me in touch a little bit with like the culture because everybody here is mostly you know for the Hispanic, but well we, we obviously also have like black people here and you know so on. I like being around YOLO. I feel like it's helped me be around more people in the way they think, what they create. I like you here. 
I mean, and this is going to sound too deep, but like really Yola helped me discover who I was. I mean, it was already there, baby, but like they helped bring it out. I would say the confidence that I gained from being behind this mic gave me so much power. But that's the best part of YOLO. You know, us in our own tribe as POC youth, we're not given that power ever. So the opportunity to be able to do this. I think YOLO gives that, like you said, it gives that little push that you didn't know you needed. Well, I would assume we're all thankful for that. I feel like speaking for myself as well, I did my first, kind of my first interview with YOLO. So it was just that little inspiration and push that that I needed came from working there yeah so nurturing and jenny put this in the chat right now but she don't want to say it but okay, i'll say um <laughs> i said that literally when you're at yolo sometimes you'll run into people and you're thinking oh they're probably my age no they're like 20 or something and they right. look they look 15 so yolo is like the youth fountain so go ahead and join the fountain of youth even the staff there like it brings this youthfulness that that just like helps to like make the art killer like it just brings out the best in everything. It unites us. It doesn't like let us hold back based off of our differences. This has been Modern Day Tribalism. We talked about negative aspects of tribalism to spread awareness of the idea of tribalism. We only got to cover a few topics, but it affects all aspects of life, whether it be race, religion, nationality, politics, sports, music, or even food. While there are many negatives to tribalism, there's also a strong sense of community and connection that grows when you find your tribe, but this does not excuse the unjust treatment of those outside our tribe. To break the negative connotation against the outside of our circles, we need empathy and action. Do not be afraid to be the helping hand that breaks the mold. If you see someone excluded, invite them in. If you see aggression toward people outside your group, be the catalyst to be a peaceful understanding. I'm Jennifer. I'm Cynthia. Emmanuel. Miles. August, Adrian. And thanks for listening to What's Up on WLPN LP 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. Minorities. That's what they call us. The outskirts of society. The authors of crime. Take a look at us. Is it because of my dark skin that you think I'm going to shoot you? Is it because of the borders I've crossed that you think I'm not a part of and that I do not belong in this nation? Is it my sexual orientation that makes me a sinner? Is it because I'm just a woman that you think I'm inferior, that I don't have what it takes? Is it because I'm just another adolescent that makes you think that I don't have control over my decisions, that I don't have a voice? Yet here we are, speaking to you, letting you know loud and clear that we are not a group of kids with guns. No walls can stop us. No laws will silence us. No white privileges are needed here to succeed. We will not let our dreams be diminished. Yes, we are surrounded by violence, injustice, poverty. However, that's just it. Those things are the things that give us a reason to speak up. That move us and inspire us to own the battleground we stand on. Once that microphone's in front of us, we become the definition of dominance. Every word we write, every word we say, is powered with creativity, strength, invincibility, and rage. No stereotypes. No gender roles. No 45th president will break us. We are dangerous. We are unafraid. We're the misfits. The weirdos. The Fruit Loops and the Cheerio Box. But hey, it's our differences that define us. Not that sickening and weakening word. Minorities. Minorities. Through thick and thin, 
We're proud to be who we are. We are Yolo Scotty! We've been keeping it weird and real since 1997. Hey, did you include the fact that we love pizza? Wait, what? We're recording? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, it's me. I haven't heard from you in a while. I hope it's because you're listening and enjoying our amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delicious, funny, breathtaking, wee-snatching, Liddy Poppin' production. If not, you should listen to our radio show, What's Up, again. In the meantime, we'll be twerking on our next one. Here in Lumpin' Radio. So stay tuned for our next amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delicious, funny, breathtaking, weave-snatching, highly amazing production. I hope that you were informed about the YOLO-licious parts of life and get your bag every day. Don't forget to listen to us on SoundCloud at YOLO Cali. On social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr at Yolokali, or visit at yolokali.org for more. We are the